The Georgetown Hoyas are Big East Tournament champions and NCAA bound. Coach Thompson, I know you love it, big fella. Hello, hello, and welcome back to a virtual episode of The Towel, a Georgetown basketball podcast brought to you by Thompson's Towel. I'm your host, Arn Hertinian, back at it again with my co-host, Bobby Vogel. Bobby, we're in a new year, about to start uh, Big East basketball. How are we feeling? Now I'm feeling pretty good, feeling pretty good. It's been a, it's been a long time. That's it feels like Georgetown basketball hasn't happened in, I don't know, months. Well, it has <laughs> been a long time, longer than any of us would have wanted. But, uh, you know, we're, we're about to start up again, so... Uh, Let's just get right into it. I guess the biggest news we have is, uh, I guess, yesterday, uh, or yesterday as of now when we're recording, Georgetown has a new player, um, transfer Wayne Bristol Jr. from Howard University has uh, decided to join the squad. What do we think? I mean, I like it. I like it. Uh, It seemed like this was in the tea leaves for a little while. Um, Of course, after Trey King's departure, we have had that awkward a full scholarship spot available. Um, there definitely were questions if we were going to fill it with a scholarship player during this season. I mean, it's hard to find a ton of film on the guy. He seems like a shooter. A MIAC rookie of the year out of Howard. I mean, I don't know. It seems like he'll fill a role, which, as we saw, Caden Rice and Don Carey seem like they're officially on their way out after the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to do some... Uh, do some research when there were first those rumors that he was uh, thinking about coming to Georgetown. And the only tape I could really find was his uh, 2018 senior year high school highlight tape, which was a very low quality video. But I I mean, you're right. He seems like a big, big guy. I mean, not like a big guy. He's what, six, five, six, six, big body, um, a shooter. He shot 40%. Um, Back in 2019, 2020, his freshman year, when he won that uh, MEAC freshman of the year, I think he's uh, definitely going to come in and maybe not this year. We don't know what he's going to give this year, but I think he's going to be a valuable piece going forward. Just because you know we're lo- you know as as Patrick Ewing said today, we're losing Donald Carey and Keaton. Yeah, they're Rice. big losses. So there goes all of our shooting. I mean, those guys have basically been our entire three point you know offense. And of course, we're getting Denver Ag- Aglin next year. Yeah, he looks but, like a beast, by the know, way. Having he's enough. tearing it up at Jersey. Yes, he does. Yes, <laughs> but I think uh, we're gonna have another two-headed three-point monster uh, now with Wayne Bristol. And also, I think I mean again, not much film out there, but he seems to be a pretty good defender too, which we should not gloss over. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty valuable thing to have. Yeah, I mean, his stats don't, like, jump out um, efficiency-wise or whatever from the tape, but Ewing seems excited about his defense. He did mention it in the press conference today or yesterday, whatever that it was. So, I mean, again, I trust the way we've recruited transfers and freshmen so far. I mean, if they like this kid, they like this kid and roll with him. He's also a local kid. So, if everyone's saying, oh, the D.C. connection, he's in, I think he's up, Upper Marlboro, um, like like Don and uh, – hey. Yeah, Pat, on, Pat loves those upper Marlboro guys, yeah, right? So, I mean, um, uh, it's exciting. But hopefully, yeah. he has he has he it, had it the long term injury. Was it a labrum, his shoulder? I I didn't see, but yeah, he, he's been out for now. What is it? A year and a half almost. So, 
that's something to keep an eye on. But I, I, I don't, I don't know what he's going to give us right now. I don't think people really should expect anything this yeah. year. Yeah. I think really what uh, the coaching staff should kind of try to do with him is just get him ready for next year. Like I could definitely see him getting some. I mean, like a little run towards the end of the totally. season. I don't think he'll really turn into much of a contributor, but going into next year, I think he's going to be a guy we should really look out for for this team. Um, someone who probably will be able to give us some decent minutes. So I don't know. I think it's a good pickup. I think he's the kind of guy that good teams like to have. Good Definitely. defender, good three point shooter, can contribute. There's nothing bad about him. I guess is the best way to put yeah. It. And I mean, I I get what people are saying. I think he I think he does fit in need. We are going to be losing a lot of shooting. I mean, even Caden Rice alone, you almost have to replace with two guys. Like his volume has just been insane. So. I think the positional need makes sense. I get people saying, oh, we could use a four or a five, but I don't know. I'm cool riding with it. We have so many centers on the roster still. I think it's really hard to justify even a grad transfer center. So I'm with it. I'm with it. I think we roll with it. it I will say, as of this moment, it doesn't seem like we've recruited over Amino. Um, well, yeah, that that's the big thing is I don't know if there's – like, like I, I don't know if Pat is expecting it me to seems leave low. This point. I know God. Patrick Ewing, exactly. I mean, Patrick Ewing is, I think, at this point, known to tell his players that if there's a possibility for them to go out and make money, which, again, it, good for Patrick Absolutely, Ewing for doing yeah. this, but if there's a chance for them to go to the pros, that they will go to the pros. But I don't know if Aminu has reached his potential. Like, I, actually, I don't know how the best way to put this is, but, like, reached his potential to reach his potential at the pro level, yes. right? Because, like, there is something to be said about the college game, and players do need to reach a certain point in college before they can make that jump to the pros. And I just don't know if Aminu is there. So I don't know if Pat is ready to tell him that he should go ahead and go to the draft. Because, I, I mean, he's definitely showing up in mock drafts, right? He's turning into a – I mean, like, yeah, he's, as he's of now, becoming, he's a doing all right. first round – yeah, low first round, you know, early second round kind of player. But I think the scattering report is he's got, you know, the body to be a NBA player. He's got the tools to be an NBA player, but he hasn't shown that he will, you know, be a high end piece in the draft. So I, that might be one of the things that Pat will say, okay, maybe stay for another year. It's best for everybody, which I mean, I, I would not be opposed. Yeah, I, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's pretty likely um, that we get Aminu for another year. I think even from the get-go, people probably understood that he'd be a two-year guy. And I don't think that means that he has been underperforming or hurting his stock. If anything, I think he's probably um, outperformed maybe his expectations a little bit from an NBA prospect level. I mean, he's getting pretty good looks. You see him in the top five of some of these, like, freshman of the year kind of lists, like, He's getting more looks than guys, not not to knock down other guys, but like Patrick Baldwin. So, I don't know. He's been impressive. I mean, of course, we're all proud of him so far and wishing the best in the Big East play, and hopefully that only improves the stock further. So, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind of hard for a five-star to exceed expectations, yes. but I think Aminu has done literally everything and anything in his power to exceed those expectations. Yeah. I mean, he's a guard who's currently leading the Big East and rebounding, he has had games. Is he where literally he has leading the Big literally East? Literally put this team. 
Yeah, that's no, free. he is. That's amazing. Uh, I think he's averaging 8.7 rebounds, which is the most in the Big East. He has had games where, you know, he has literally put this team on his shoulders. Yeah. He looks like, you know, okay, I think we all knew he was going to be a good player coming in. He just kind of has that play style that teams want, and uh, obviously he's able to oh, contribute. Totally. But the fact that he's being able to, he's been able to do it rather consistently. Obviously, he's a freshman. He's had some down games, but like the fact that he's been able to do that has, I mean, just been extremely, uh, you know, impressive. But I think that another year is not out of the question. I, honestly, right now, I think in my mind, it's 50-50 as, as to whether we get, you know, another year out, out of Aminu. But I think uh, I think he's uh, at a point where I could definitely see him coming. Yeah, back. it definitely feels like it could go either way. But we'll see. Big East is finally coming up. I mean, we're the last team that I'll have their hey. conference opener. Yes, uh, and by the way, uh, Hoy is in the pros right now. Not a bad look with our man Omer Yurt Seven. Um, you know, tearing it up in these past five games. He's yeah, not played. a bad look is an understatement. He is, He's been looking very good. I five, started five games. What is he averaging? I think like twelve and a half points and fifteen rebounds a game. I mean, fifteen rebounds for a guy who is undrafted and you know playing in the G League is. Insane. Yeah, he's got seven straight games with 10-plus rebounds. I saw one stat that if he kept up his rebounding percentage rate, which is like the number of rebounds he's responsible for in a game kind of thing, he'd be top three all-time in the NBA. Like, the guy has just been on fire on the boards. And speaking of which, let's get a live check right now in the Heat game to see what he's rebounding. The Heat are currently let's playing see, the Trailblazers. Yurtsevin did again get the start. And he has seven rebounds before the half. Plus 19. That's the best plus plus minus on the team right now. Like, the guy is really putting on a very solid performance. I think we all knew. Or personally, I always thought he had the NBA prototype. Like, you got a guy who can shoot. He's really long. I, I don't know. He's got, He had kind of that NBA feel to him. Oh, yeah. No, he, he's definitely a professional yeah. big in the sense that he can play inside and out. I love what I love the most about what I've seen out of him is the fact that he is absolutely tearing teams apart with exactly what he did at Georgetown. That yes, high yes, that's goal, the best thing. Right? Yes, the high. I mean, like Georgetown didn't necessarily lob it to him like the Heat are lobbing it to him, but the pick and roll. You know, he's got it at the top of the key. You know, picks for Kyle Lowry, and then he rolls and gets the. Uh, the lob to the It's dunk. crazy. I, I it mean, looks exactly like how we used him at Georgetown. And people are like, oh, he's not shooting I, the three ball enough at Georgetown. He's not really shooting the three ball for the Heat. I think he shot it like three times or something. I don't, yeah, I don't think And he's, he's not be posting up either, which is something we, we oh. kind of used him a little bit more for that, which is, I guess, natural at the collegiate level. But no, his high pick and roll is very hard to defend because he's so quick. He pops off the roll pretty quick. He fakes, he kind of just, you know, cuts underneath. So. Shout out to Omer Yurtsevin. The Heat have seemed to really enjoy, been enjoying his offensive and rebounding abilities. I mean, he'll get better on defense, but come on. The guy's not supposed, he's been starting on an NBA roster, like, out of the blue, so. I mean, I think the biggest thing with him is right now, these analysts in the NBA are putting him in the top 10 rookies. Oh, that's awesome. In the NBA currently. Like, who would have thought? Who would have thought? I mean, I would have thought 
kind of. I, maybe in, uh, while he was at Georgetown, sometimes not the hugest fan, but also absolutely loved him after that St. John's game where he hit the uh, the winning shot, if I do remember correctly, yeah. where I was in the in the stands for that. But now, I mean, between Dwayne Casey absolutely loving Jamarco Pickett and Omer Yurt 7 doing what Omer Yurt 7 does best, the Hoyas also... Greg Monroe, Greg Monroe signing now a contract, and they contract yeah, that's with exciting. the Wizards coming back home. It's it's a great look for the Hoyas, and if Aminu decides to go pro this year, just another bright spot for the Hoyas. How I, I don't think Patrick Ewing gets enough credit for what he has done with some of these players. That's true. That players that we never thought would necessarily make it to the next level are at that next level. So. Great things for the Hoyas. Really nice things. Also, Otto Porter, another Hoya. Just all around good stuff going on uh, with the Hoyas. I guess the next place we can go is the fact that Georgetown, for the first time since 1984, back when my father was <laughs> yeah. in Georgetown, are playing games at McDonough Arena, Big East games at McDonough Arena. I... It, this is honestly so exciting for someone who has been screaming at the athletic department to get games back in McDonough. It's big. It's big. Have, we have two games now. Two games. It's big. Is it two? It's two. It's the St. John's game and All right, I, one other game. I think I, I know I'm, what your confusion might be, and I might be wrong here. Oh, well. The, but I think they rescheduled they the St. John's game. game that was supposed to be on the Monday back to another day. So it was already in McDonough. I'm not sure about that. Uh, it's, uh, you're right, you're right. But but I think in the end, and this yeah. is just a wild prediction that is based in absolutely nothing, but we're supposed to get a Xavier game too that's supposed to be rescheduled, yep. right? That Xavier game, one of the only openings for both teams is on February 21st when the St. John's game was originally supposed to or, Originally rescheduled to. Mm, Armin, you sound pretty and smart right now. You sound pretty smart. I, hey, I've done my research. I'm, I'm on vacation and have absolutely nothing better to do than sit outside and look into Georgetown basketball. So Xavier and Georgetown have an opening on February 21st, and Capital One Arena is currently booked for Disney on Ice. What a shame. Night. What a so, shame. I know. I mean, personally... I would enjoy some Disney on Ice, but I would prefer to watch Georgetown basketball. Have you been but to Disney on Ice? It's actually pretty cool. I've actually never been to Disney we, we on used Ice. To, we used sadly, to go when I was but, little uh, in, in Wells Fargo in Philly. It's it's you know it's not it's not a bad show. So so you're telling me that if that game gets rescheduled for the twenty first, Georgetown Xavier, instead of going to McDonough Arena to watch it, you're telling me to go to Disney on Ice. I mean, for for all the Xavier Bobby, fans I, watching this, um, that that is what I would recommend, personally. All the I mean, fans. hopefully, well, if we yeah. can kind of cut to the... No, no, we are recommending it for the Xavier fans because we are so high yes. on the Georgetown team we have right now. Because, remember, great teams always go on COVID pauses, and after their COVID pauses, they absolutely ball out. So, it's true. Wait, can so, I... All right, I saw um, a crazy stat today when I was doing my vacation random Georgetown searching today. So, Ken Palm had a, like, pre-conference tournament preview last year about the odds for each of the teams to win their conference tournaments, respectively. Do you want to guess what he gave Georgetown to win the Big East tournament? Uh, 0.01%. It was like 0.8%. It was pretty cool. 
It's just, it's just so crazy. I mean, I don't know. That will never get old. The co- the COVID pause is a magical thing. It truly is. Yeah, it really is. So we might be onto something again this year. But but back back to the amazing news that this St. John's game is being played at McDonough Arena. I my, one of my sources, not my father, but possibly my roommate's father, who was also at Georgetown at that time and was able to go to a Georgetown Big East game at St. John or at the McDonough Arena rather. He told me how McDonough with fans was absolutely electric. Yeah, I don't doubt and it. And I know that Georgetown, Georgetown, we had that NIT game against Harvard, which we so sadly lost. But that game sounded like so much fun. So, I mean, it could be a very nice sight to see McDonough filled with fans again. And who knows? It could kind of signal back to the uh, athletic department that, we want games at McDonough. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I know we're beating a little bit of a dead horse here, and it just sounds like it's not a matter of whether they'd want them in McDonough, but just the fact that you just can't do you it. Can't. But yeah. Nevertheless, you were, because you weren't at the Harvard game, right? Yeah. No, I, I was a high school sophomore or junior. Oh, geez. Maybe point. college is moving a little too quickly for me then, but the Harvard game was... Besides the Providence double buzzer beater game, I think the best Georgetown basketball game I've ever been to, which is funny too, because it was a first round NIT game. Not that we were like expecting to make the tournament or anything, but um, you kind of had two teams that were kind of messing around and having fun. Um, for that game, I brought a Go Yale sign. Uh, it was just a simple like blue Go Yale sign. And I remember the Harvard guys were like loving it. They were like totally laughing at it and pointing at it kind of thing. So it, it was. it's a great atmosphere. For that game, they had half students on the one side of the bleachers. So the left, um, as you walk into the, into the arena. Okay, here's a fun little thing I learned, Armin, from doing some research today. Yes. Apparently, here. I don't know if this is true or like fully confirmed, McDonough Arena refers to the actual gym floor, like that room where McDonough Gymnasium refers to the building. Have you heard this? I... <laughs> See, I've never gone down that rabbit hole, so no, I've not okay. heard that. But that's I'm very glad you're very interested. I'm very glad you're very interested. But <laughs> again, they had students you. on one half and kind of like general Georgetown and Harvard fans on the other. I think there were even some, there were some big fans there. I want to say there was like a Supreme Court justice or something from Harvard, like a, Har- a Harvard graduate. Really? Yeah, there was one, at least one or two big name Harvard graduates who were there. So that was kind of funny too, that they're like in McDonough on a random night watching an IT game. But it was a blast. <laughs> the energy, it's so loud. Um, definitely funny having the old school technology too. It's not like you've got the jumbotron well, or any of that. I think the atmosphere is the best part about McDonough, and just like those small arenas in general. As as a New Yorker who is a very big hockey fan, I want to make it very clear: I dislike the Islanders, but the Islanders play very, or they used to play very close to where I live at the Nassau Coliseum, and I guess they still do play really close. But Nassau Coliseum was a gorgeous dump in my mind that was very small. And the best part about it was the fact that it was small. Yeah. Because even though it probably had half the capacity of most, like the average, you know, NHL arena, it was so tight that that 10,000 fans would make it so loud. And I mean, 2,000 seat arena is really, I mean, it's tiny. It's a high school totally. gym basically. But if we can fill it up, which... 
Oh, we know. can. Maybe we all right, could. let's I... remind everybody. Like, I've seen mixed numbers, but the capacity for McDonough's somewhere between 2,200, 2,500. That should be very, very easy to fill up. For context, there are 350-some D1 basketball teams, give or take. Only 24 basketball teams have an arena smaller than that as their home arena. So it's like, it's it's that small, if we can remind ourselves. Uh, yeah. But Yeah, and the fact that it is on campus kind of helps. And, I mean, students should students show up. Students will show game. up to that game. Hopefully they will. Yeah, Armin, there's like a crazy, there's, it's such a fun novelty too. Like, you think about it, you kind of take it for granted when you're in Capital One. But when you're at McDonough and, like, the ESPN truck is there with its satellite on, like, the bus turnaround and they've got all the media right there and, like, the student section, you can turn around and look in the t- in the camera that's, like, broadcasting the game. And it's just, like, it's, it's, it's totally kind of funny. Um, and they have kind of, like, barriers making a line as you're getting in, kind of like an airport security kind of clearance. So, at least for the Harvard game, it was a ton of fun. And, I mean, we're talking about a St. John's in-conference game that... It's probably a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So, all right, Armin. I mean, that's also that, that's a very winnable game. Oh, totally. Way. That is a very winnable game. Not to cut you off, but, like, I, the Big East, just from what we've seen so far, and I know Georgetown hasn't played a game yet, but, like, most of these games are going to be tight. Whether or not we pull through in the end is a different story, but, like, that's a winnable mm-hmm. game. Very much Yeah, it's so. a very, very, very winnable game. All right, Armin, I got some fun facts for you right here. Okay, let me hear him. All right. Well, there was this was just some random, mostly Wikipedia reading, but McDonough is was first proposed in 1927 and built, I think, in the 20s. Or no, here we go. Later, what happened was there was a Reverend uh, McDonough, who was the uh, Georgetown's first athletic director from 1916 to t- 1928, and on his deathbed, okay. he was asked what he wanted for the 25th anniversary of his priesthood. And he said to get a new gym for the school. So that's the reason McDonough Gymnasium exists. And even cooler, Georgetown's first gym is called Ryan Gym. Okay? But you haven't heard of that one, right, Armin? No. Never, Opened never in heard October one. of 1906 when the student body was only 250. And it's still a building on campus. This is what's wild about it. Really? Yeah, really? it's what is now the... Um, Wait, wait, wait. If, if you say Yates, I'm going to... No, that would have been way cooler. It's the Davis Performing Arts Center. Oh, okay. So they just okay. gutted it out and built the Performing Arts Center, which I don't know if you've ever been in. It's kind of like a small, a smaller theater kind of thing. I but that's pretty That's pretty funny that Georgetown basketball started right next to Healy Hall. They just tossed a stage at one end of the... Uh end of the court and said this is our performing arts studio that's pretty I think impressive. it's totally it's um, it's pretty gutted but still still pretty funny probably yeah so that, that's very those are my those are my fun facts thank you for your fun facts Bobby. Anytime. um oh air conditioning <laughs> wasn't installed in McDonough until 1988 good wait wait so so they Back in '84, when they had their no, like, there was East not game, air conditioning. They didn't no, they're, they're, conditioning. this is going to be McDonough's first Big East game with air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that. That is your wild stat. That is the Bobby Vogel fun fact of the day. This is the first Big East game on Georgetown campus for men's, of course. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, men's, men's. 
<laughs> but still, that, that's actually really impressive that our university, our top 30 academic university, has not played a men's basketball conference game with air conditioning. On campus, ever. yeah. No, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. On campus. Oh, I love Georgetown. It's classic. It. And all right. <laughs> but it, you know what? That game should be so much fun. I, I think that if this – I mean, I, I tweeted about this before. I don't know if people follow me on Twitter. I don't know how just to plug myself. But um, I tweeted about this before. If the athletic department can find a way, just something creative to – I think we got a little over a 1,000 season tickets, so most of those people should show up to that game. But if they could do a nice giveaway or something else a little creative just to get people in the yeah. stands – and possibly, I mean, I know a student-only game would be a little. I'm all for it, for the record. Because I am all I mean, for it. We're seeing schools like Seton Hall, and I mean, Seton Hall is our example in the in the Big East. But other schools across the country are starting to do this, where they're playing games they're on campus, smaller arenas instead of the bigger arenas that they play in. Yeah, Texas did it. Only. Texas is the one that's done Texas, it this yeah. year. Like, Beard just said, screw and, it, we're doing a students-only game in our volleyball arena, which is even, I think it's even smaller than McDonough. It's it's a small, I think it's a little bigger, but it is it is small. It is small. It's tiny. But it's that idea, like, if they can just find a way to get students in the door and make it students-only, that environment would be absolutely electric. Like, think about that Syracuse game this year, where, I mean, there are real fans in the stand. But you were in the uh, you were in the student section, and think about how electric that was, and think about just those people, just those students filling up a tiny high school basketball arena. I mean, it it, it would be something that like personally I've never seen. Well, before. I feel like it also to- there's a couple reasons I think it makes sense. Not not to go off either, but I mean, for one, it's a great idea to I think increase attendance for the rest of the Big East games. This is a a somewhat early game, give or take now. Like, it's going to be finally right after all the students are back on campus post-January 31st. Hopefully, we've relaxed some restrictions potentially from Omicron by then. Because as, I don't know if everyone knows, but Georgetown is requiring all classes to be virtual until January 31st. And you don't have to be on campus or anything until then and that kind of thing. And there's kind of been a mixed sense of when people are coming back and all that. But... I think this is a great way to kind of bring the community together around that time. And even from a COVID perspective, I mean, only students sounds like it might make sense as well. Um, because we know the administration has concerns around that. Um, and and cons- considering with the fact that we're all vaccinated and boosted and all that to come back. So I, I could definitely see that being a possibility. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the other thing is you really limit student capacity if you, you make it not only students. Um, I mean, a little just scratch math right here. McDonough's got 2,200 capacity. And you're, they've, I know for the Harvard game, they gave half of that to fans, for, like, student, like students. That's 1,100. That is essentially just your student season ticket holders. So you're not yeah. really allocating many more resources. I don't know. I think it makes a lot of sense to go for the students only, and I don't think you'll have a problem packing it. But you never know. Well, yeah. I also think that if they decide to go student only, it'll force more students to turn out. Like I, th- I think if they offer tickets for cheap enough, oh, students are they should make like, it for free. Hey, why not? Like, Is our seat in halls for free? Do you know? Well, yes. Well, yeah. 
but like it'll force the students to just like the non-ticket holding students to be like it's right here why not just go to the game like it's not like i have anything better to do on a thursday night like let's at least go watch the basketball team play on campus stuff like that like if there are those tickets available why wouldn't they it's it's kind of a why not kind of scenario so I think it makes so much sense for them to go ahead and do it. Yeah, I think it's a total no-brainer. And I, I'd be, I don't know, I'm not sure if it'll happen. I really hope it will. I think there are a lot of reasons it should be a students-only game. If not, I'm sure it will still be a great atmosphere. Um, like you said, a Thursday night game on campus against St. John's. Like, come on. It doesn't get much better than that. And it, it, it gives us an opportunity to get a little rowdy on campus on Thursday Oh, night. absolutely. It's, it's safe. Our our fir- the start of the weekend, our first weekend back to everything in person. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, hopefully Why John Fantas on the not? call, and then afterwards we can chariot him over to the tombs. Um, I think I so <laughs> I actually love that. I got a text from uh, Bobby for all those wondering about ways to get us uh, more into that game. Literally carry John in a seat from. McDonough Arena to the tombs. I think that's a great idea. But anyway, um, students only, let's do it. Why not? Let's have some fun. Georgetown, also, last thing on this, I want to make it very clear, I tweeted this out before, that if and only if they decide to make it students only, all negativity from me on Twitter about the Georgetown basketball program will cease for the rest just, of the just season. Just for the season? It's not for a calendar year? Uh, ju- just, I'm, I'm... You're not, not willing to make that statement? Because I'm, I'm not willing to make that, that commitment right there because that's a big commitment. <laughs> All right, fair but enough. I think that's a still a very big commitment to make. And I think that it's it's uh, it, it would be pretty big if they were to go ahead and do it. it, it you know what? It would signal to us as fans that they're willing to kind of experiment with these things. And that means that they're taking a big step forward. Yeah. So yeah. I honestly think they might call, just do it from a COVID perspective, regardless of everything else. Too. That, that too, that too. There are, there's no reason not to do it. Yeah. I, I think it's a pretty, pretty easy call. I mean, yes, I think so. Students only game. Agree. All right. So yes, I guess we'll close with this. Uh, today is January 5th. This episode is coming out on january 6th january 6th is also armenian christmas i am armenian and i forgot to do this in our last episode to be completely honest with you guys but armenian christmas is tomorrow so bobby i want to do a little segment before we go as to what is on your georgetown basketball christmas list what are you hoping for under the tree on armenian christmas even though you're completely not armenian and i know that to the best Um, of my knowledge but what do we want what do we want before uh for the big east conference play for Georgetown basketball. Well, in the spirit of Armenian Christmas, um, I, I would I would love to be competitive in every game of the Big East. Maybe that's kind of an understatement, but get it, having a winning record this season, going around 500, I think would be a great success for this team. Um, even getting a shot potentially at the NIT would be very cool. I know things have gotten harder. We're going to be playing a lot of games close, so I mean, the NCAA tournament's there, but out of reach. But I don't know. I just hope for an exciting closeout to the rest of the season. I hope attendance is good enough. And I don't know. What, what do you have, Armin? So you kind of touched on my things, but I have two things. 
One, I want there to be good attendance. I want students to come out and just support the team because similar to what I said about that student, students only kind of game idea, if students come out to these games, it signals that this program is definitely moving forward more with like this sentiment on campus, because as we know, like some of these games have not been well attended, but student involvement is so huge to, you know, actually going forward and making this a very relevant program once again. So number one, having students show up, which is more on us than the team, but also I just want, like, I want this team to be around 500 in Big East play. And I know that's a lot to ask. I'm looking at Ken Palm right now, and they're projecting us to be 6-13, and which is not great. But I think that just looking at the Big East games that have happened so far, bad, I mean, like, I don't want to call them bad because I don't think there are bad teams in the Big East this year. But the lower tier teams in the Big East have been able to compete. Oh, for sure. And there have been games where the mediocre teams of the Big East, and again, I say mediocre relative to the conference rather than relative to the country, the mediocre teams, the middle of the pack teams in the Big East have found ways to absolutely blow the better teams out of the water in some cases. Yeah, it's been pretty whack. So, I I mean, this conference has been all over the place. I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath, just completely removed from being a Georgetown fan, just watching, you know, what I've watched. I think that if... Just just give me a 500 season. I will be so happy with the 500 season. Watching players, you know, actually play up to their expectations and watching people come out to these games and just having a good time, I think that is a success in my book. And I think that that would make my Armenian Christmas completely perfect, I guess. That would be it. quite a merry Armenian Christmas. It would be a great Armenian Christmas. I, I don't know anything better. I don't either. Yeah, I mean, Marquette, I mean, we got Marquette coming up next. That one, who the heck knows what's going to happen against Marquette? I mean, to be God completely honest knows. with you, our first three games, Marquette, Butler, St. John's. I mean, yeah, those are all. we can't go 3 that's not, start we, I'm not saying, I'm obviously not saying that we extended our COVID pause. I'm sure our guys were chomping at the bit to play. But if you were to look up for a, a, if you were looking for a better way to set up our season than the road kind of dog schedule we had to begin with, this is not a bad way to do it. I mean, COVID sucks. Screw COVID, but I'm I'm not complaining with the way that we're starting the season now. (laughs) Hey, hey, exactly. If there were I mean, there, there's literally no better way to start. Some guys are get, some yeah, guys are starting to heal. Like Dante, it looks like we'll have Tim yeah, sooner I, rather than later. Doesn't sound like against Marquette, but I mean, Ken Palm's calling for yeah, calling for this to be a one point game. So, oh my gosh, yeah. We have we have Tim coming back. We have Dante should be healthy. It sounds like yep. Kobe Clark is that's practicing. Big. That's, that's he's a big addition because that's a position of need. It is. It is. Kobe Clark is practicing. Obviously, we don't have uh, Jordan Riley, sadly, but sounds like he might be able to redshirt, which is very yeah, good. Yeah, that would be, um, be awesome for him. But hey, there's nothing stopping this team from starting the season 3-0 and going to Providence, Villanova, and Connecticut with a little confidence, maybe, perhaps. Hey, if we win tomorrow, 
then we're tied for second in the Big East. And that's just a fact. Yeah, I mean, we're the uh, only team besides St. John's to, to not have that's lost insane. on the season so far. I know, I know we haven't played a game. But listen, but, that, how ridiculous but, is that? It's January 5th, and every team has already lost in the Big East. At least once, except for us and St. John's. I'm, t- I'm telling you, the Big East is just going to be such a bloodbath this year. I think everybody, all the people, all the millions of people listening to the, this podcast right now, the master predictor, Armand Haratuni, is telling you right now, throw all your expectations out the window because there is absolutely no saying what is going to happen in the Big East this year. Not a single thing. Yeah. So I will say one thing here. It drives me nuts. I feel like we always get screwed out of bids because, all right, I don't know if this like makes any sense. But I feel like we always start conference play with like four or five ranked teams. And then because there's a little bit of kind of like cannibalism, like it's pretty even, the records, like everybody's records kind of end up pretty even. We end up with like two or three ranked teams. And I, uh, you know what? I'm a little, I'm going to go a little festivist here. I, I, have, I have a grievance with that. I think it's ridiculous that every season this is the kind of thing that happens. That because the Big East is highly competitive, having a, a, an above 500 record even if it's not super above 500 hurts you. So I love that Ar- Armenian Festivus. And I completely agree with you. Like the big East, I, I hate to say this, but we're under, I guess, under ranked under, uh, just under expected conference when it comes to just good teams, yeah. right? We are such a competitive conference because everybody is so good every year that it makes us seem worse because everybody ends up with like kind of middle If the AP poll went to 35 instead of 25, we'd have like eight teams ranked the whole freaking season. Like the Big East yeah. dominates, no, yes. absolutely dominates the bubble. I think the yes, the biggest thing is look at Providence right now. They're 5 and 0 against quad 1 teams. Yeah. And I know they're, what, ranked 16 right now or something like that. But still, Providence is uh, – they're, they're uh, undefeated. I don't know if it's 5-0, 6-0, whatever it is. But, like, the fact that we are able to dominate against good teams out of conference and then all of our games are so close in conference just means it, it shows how good this conference is overall. And then when we play each other, because everybody is so good, we just end up looking so mediocre because no one wants a seven and five team in the or in conference play in the tournament. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, it's true. But in the Big East, that's great. If you come out of the Big East with a over five hundred, you know, I don't even know over five hundred, just like more than three games above five hundred, you are a yeah. You have to be a. And I think this year. If you come out of the Big East, you know, I mean, what is it? Uh, how, how many games? 20. Are the Big East? Yeah. Round robin of 10 20, teams. Yeah. 20. 20. If you come out of the Big East, you know, like, was it 12 and 8? You should be like a top five seed. Like five or higher in terms Yeah, of- I absolutely agree. I think it, I think it just makes sense. I don't know why and- the Big East gets so hit with the cannibalism, but. I don't know. And and the fact that people don't think we're a power conference, 
Well, that's just that's the Keep ACC. Playing. The other thing too, if we're gonna go on a little bit East talk right here, the Big East has eleven teams, right? All eleven right now yes. are pretty competitive. I mean, you could argue besides Georgetown. Georgetown's the lowest in Ken Palm, whatever. Georgetown the ball. Nonetheless, even if you said seven or eight, the ACC has one ranked team in a conference of sixteen teams. Like they should have. All, like a, like 150% times the number of ranked teams as the Big East if they have that many more teams. Like, but they yeah. don't get treated as that. Like the way the media looks at it, they say, hey, they get this many into the tournament. They have this many ranked teams. That's all they look at. I feel like they should consider and, and the Ken, size of the conferences. Yes. And I think that uh, – I know we talked about this before we started recording, and I hate to – kind of talk down on one of Georgetown's bigger wins, but let's just, let me just mention how bad Syracuse is right now. And it makes me so happy to talk mm-hmm. about that. Like, like the ACC is, and I think John Rothstein put it great. I don't know if you saw him on CBS. He said that this is the worst the ACC has ever been, Yeah, but they're the ACC. So they're going to get respect. Somebody put respect on the Big East name. They, I mean, like, please, please. Yeah, I, I think it's it, it needs to happen. For context, Syracuse has an even record this late in the season. It's the first time it's ever happened in Bayheim's like 450 million years as a head coach. And so actually only 45. I, they have not. I, I follow. Up. They have not beaten a team not in the Ivy League in over a month. Oh, I love that. They've only beaten Brown or Cornell since December 4th. So, I, I follow a, a Rangers account um, on Twitter who he went to Syracuse. So he tweets about Syracuse every once in a while, and he put something out on the like after the new year, who he's praying on their downfall, and it was one name. And oh, his I name was Jim Yeah, that was good. So I will say, if I can um, ask, do you keep the Syracuse series after Jim Beheim retires? That's a good question. I mean, I think the answer has to be yes. A, yeah, from a selfish Georgetown wants to keep the rivalry going and hasn't seen enough Georgetown Syracuse in their lifetime, I say yes. But I, I mean, after the the, uh, the game this year, Beheim said very bluntly, "The only reason why I agreed to this series continuing is because Patrick Ewing is the coach." And I don't know if the next coach is going to think the same way. So I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think it needs to happen because I want to see Georgetown beat Syracuse again next year and the year after that and the year after that. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think it makes sense. It says like an easy high major built into your schedule, exciting non-conference game. Like there's really no reason not to schedule Georgetown. Like it's pretty local. You got a bunch of Syracuse alums in the area. Not that Georgetown alums are going up to Syracuse, New York, necessarily, but you know what I mean. I'm all for it. I think it actually makes hey, sense ne- even beyond just the formal rivalry kind of standpoint. But that's just that's just me. Yes, you know? I I agree with you. No, Bobby, I completely agree with you. I think you are completely right here. Thank you. But Thank you. I don't know. I I think that's a good place to uh, call this latest installment of the towel uh, tonight. Our late night taping. You know. If you liked what you heard, you did. if you have any suggestions, questions, comments, let us know. Uh, 
reach out to us at Thompson's Towel, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Uh, from the towel, I say good night and thanks for listening. Merry Armenian Christmas. Merry Armenian Christmas. Merry Armenian Festivus, too. <laughs> Hoy Zax, everybody. Yeah, Hoy Zax.